Hello and welcome to the Reinfused podcast. I don't know how long this is going to be or how often these are going to happen. This is kind of my first just test one just to see how the thing flies. It might end up being slightly unfocused. If you watch any of my videos, you know that I do tend to fly off on tangents quite often. But we do have a, one core topic which I want to cover, so hopefully that helps a little bit. In future, I'll probably try to get some smaller YouTubers to come on as well, or, or people in the community just to talk about things. But uh, yeah, this is just the first test one. If you do like it, then please let me know, just so I know that we should bother creating more. Anyway, <laughs> today's topic is the topic of why do we do retro? Um, it's something that's popping up a lot recently. I've noticed a lot of articles about people, why they do retro stuff, and most of them tend to be, well, wrong. Or at least... Uh, too focused on the money aspect of things rather than the general nostalgia stuff and yeah even that it's it's a it's a huge topic and obviously different people do things for different reasons but i can talk for myself about the reason why i do it i started collecting what we'd call retro stuff a long time ago i mean um what i mean i think i released my book on the subject about oh four years ago now and i had already been collecting for about 15 years at that point so yeah so a, a long a long time um and i've always done it back then i did it because i was discovering new things i hadn't discovered before so i, I tend a lot of the collection i had were machines that i didn't necessarily have before in style like that so the first machines i bought were uh, a mega drive and a super nintendo which were machines i'd owned in the past and then i discovered the pc engine well the turbo graphics as it was uh, outside of japan i didn't know it existed at that point it didn't really i didn't buy the magazines that covered it um it didn't show up in any of the shops in in Bainstoke where i lived so i didn't know it existed and then I kind of discovered that as by connecting to this uh, nascent retro community, which, yeah, wasn't there wasn't much of one back then. But uh, the, what did exist, uh, PC Engine was kind of up there as, as well. And by discovering the PC Engine and by going off and searching it out and finding one, I discovered this whole bunch of games machines that i never knew existed at all um and then i found japan of course <laughs> and, uh back then I, I don't think there were any proxy services to buy stuff at least i none that i knew of anyway so the first few things i bought from japan i bought because of some J japanese guy i met on facebook uh, and he um bid on auctions for me and uh, i paid him some money and he got things shipped over to me so that's how i first got my collection started uh, the first few were pc engines um I had one Turbo Graphics, which was one of the rare European models, and it was uh, it was a real eye opener, especially when I started to actually be able to look at those auctions myself, the the and view them, and uh, all the translation services that were popping up around that time were a help for that. And I think Japanese language was relatively new for these online translations. I might be recording incorrectly, I, I admit, but um, it's opened up like a whole new door for me. Now, at that point, I, I I had decided I'm not doing any computers at all. I'm not touching computers because computers were a whole other area of things. There were too many machines that I would have bought 
just from the UK machines in the UK that Everide had, like a Spectrum obviously was the first one. Um, but also machines I never had the opportunity to own, like the Amstrads and, and things like that. So I, I already said no computers. Uh, so I was mostly concentrating on game machines and I found a lot. I bought a lot of random auctions. The auctions back then were very cheap, especially in Japan, because this bubble hadn't grown that we're in at the moment. Uh, like I discovered the Super Cassette Vision solely because I bought just a box of random stuff, which I got for some ridiculously small amount. I don't really recall what the amount was now, but it was very small. Um, and that console was in there, and it was an interesting little console. And heard of it, didn't have any games for it. At least I thought I didn't have any games for it. Then going through a uh, a box, I discovered I, I had one cartridge as well, which come in a, another bundle auction. Um, I think I said before that I found the cartridge, and then I had to go and find the console. In fact, it didn't quite work out that way. I found it randomly. I did buy a cassette vision that way though, because I had a cartridge for the cassette vision. As I went out and sought out a cassette vision, the predecessor of the Super Cassette Vision. So, um, and that was basically how my collection built. It was it was just randomly going off and buying things. But this is for me was the point of it. It was discovery. It was um, I jokingly refer to myself as kind of a technology archaeologist. But it was sort of like that. Right? I was digging around trying to find all these things that I'd never seen before. Um, obviously, that changed. <laughs> Quite a lot of it changed. I. A friend of mine, uh, Ralph, who has been on the channel actually, was the he actually helped to found the channel back at the beginning. But he's not a, a camera person, so he's not uh, there often. Although he did a sterling job on our Chernobyl uh, documentary, which you know we did a long time before the TV series came out. Just so everyone knows, <laughs> um, he kind of suggests, well, you know, you, you said no computers, but surely you got to get a single spectrum because you know you had one even just to put on a shelf, and it's like, oh yeah, okay, maybe I will. Again, prices weren't that bad on eBay even uh, back then, so I, I did pick up a couple of spectrums just because it was uh, you know you don't know what's working and what isn't working, um, uh, and then it was that that kind of opened the floodgates, and, and then I did start getting things that I'd always wanted as a child, and. It's a dangerous. It's a dangerous way of buying stuff. It is when you're you're buying stuff that you kind of lusted for as a child. I came from a fairly poor family, so my computers were very limited for a long time in my life because it was all secondhand stuff and the cheapest things. The Spectrum, of course, being the cheapest thing in England, I that's, that was really all I had. I didn't have any opportunities to try. Um, the Amstrad. A friend of a friend had a Commodore, and a friend had a, an Acon Electron and a Plus Four at some point. So I did get to try those, but uh, there are a lot of machines I hadn't got to try, um, and some of them just stuck in my mind from the little adverts you used to get at the back of uh, the, the computer magazines. Like the Memotech was one machine which had always stuck with me. I'd never seen one properly, just in a grainy black and white picture in a small ad. But I'd never actually seen one personally. So uh, getting one of those was was a goal. Um, uh, it took a while because by this point, the bubble had started to, to come come around. So uh, a lot of this stuff was getting a lot more expensive. Um, things in Japan were still cheaper, cheaper though. And I found, obviously, I'd started buying computers, so I may as well continue that. And so I started to buy computers from Japan. And um, that's kind of when the collection got a bit insane because... Britain had this huge um, kind of revelatory uh, 
technology expansion in the 80s and we had lots and lots of companies that started up made one computer or maybe two then disappeared we had a lot of that japan had a very similar situation but for them it was mostly um companies that joined this revolution made a computer and then kind of went on to be like technology giants instead so they hung around uh and a lot of that i i I would guess is because of the MSX standard, the MSX standard kind of making it so that all these manufacturers could almost safely produce machines because they knew uh, if nobody else made like games specific, specifically for their machine, it doesn't matter because there's a bunch of compatible games out there and applications and what have you. So I think that's probably where the difference really was um, in the two markets. But what that really meant was uh, there were just this huge trove of computers that, I would never even have known existed before I was able to see them on Yahoo auctions. And at this point, the the third party uh, proxy services had picked up as well. So I wasn't able, I wasn't having to go through a person who um, at this point was getting a little bit uh, annoyed and also starting to pad his, uh, his side of things a little bit, quite a bit. So um it uh, it was handy to just be able to do this stuff on my own and just say, well, I want to bid on this, so I'm just going to bid on this, it's fine. Um, and I spent a lot of money. I, I calculated at some point how much I'd spent over that period. Um, and it's an interesting graph because at the beginning, before the bubble started to, to come about, I... The amount of items I had compared to the amount I spent was very, was really like the, the ratio was very low. Um, uh, in terms of the money, the money was low ratio, the amount of items was high, and that completely reversed, uh, after the bubble kicked on. And then it was not quite so many items, but a, a much higher cost. Um, and so the vast majority of the amount of money I spent on this hobby absolutely happened in the last half of that collection period um yeah so the the amount was up in the uh approaching the fifteen thousand pound mark which is an insane amount of money but at one point i did have um so many machines that i was taking up two rooms in my house and not small rooms either two two one of the biggest rooms and and a, a slightly smaller room so yeah it was an insane period of time to be fair because a lot of that stuff was i bought cheap comparatively the when i sold it all off and i sold a lot of my stuff off because i was made I, I lost my job so i had to um it took a while for me to get another job because the market was in a bit of a downturn at that point um so I had to sell a lot of my collection just to make sure we could make it through. And we ended up before I lost my job making a film and we couldn't get uh, backing for that. So we had to back it ourselves pretty much. Uh, we got some backing, but not enough to make the whole film. So I sold a huge amount of my collection for that. And when you work all that out, I definitely made a profit overall. Um, you know, which is great. <laughs> it's not why I, not obviously why I did this, but it's better than, having to sell all this stuff off at a loss which i think is something that's going to happen in the next five or six years i think this is the, this bubble has got to the point now where you look on ebay and people are breaking machines up into parts fully working machines to sell the little bits and pieces and then charging ridiculous amounts like i saw i posted up an, an, a, an auction where a 
seller had taken a Commodore 128, the two part unit, the one with the separate keyboard. They'd sold the unit for a relatively good price. It was going for bidding, obviously. Uh, but the keyboard, they put a starting price in the hundreds on its own auction. So once you get those things happening, then the bubble at some point has to burst. And I think that's what's coming soon. And there are a lot of things that I bought after that bubble grew, which are probably not going to be worth nearly as much as what I paid for them. And I imagine a lot of collectors are in the same situation as well. But again, we I didn't buy this stuff to make a profit. I bought this stuff to, to enjoy. And I have done. I have enjoyed all this stuff a lot. Um, it's always, I mean, seller's remorse is, is a huge thing. I think most collectors experience that as well. Uh, it's not nice having to give away myself <laughs> but have someone take away something that you've you put a lot of work into well for me certainly because i mean i've never had the the huge bankroll that a lot of collectors have got so i tended to buy the machines that were in the worst state so the ones that looked like they were probably not working and collectors wouldn't touch them because they weren't in a box and they weren't in great condition they were broken obviously broken um, and then I would repair those. So, I mean, I had that. It's handy to have that skill to be able to repair my stuff. So, uh, and we did, did a good job. So, I've got a lot of machines here that just weren't working. I got a lot cheaper than I would have got because I just figured I'd fix them. Like, mostly a lot of Amstrads, a lot of, um, a couple of AES, Neo Geo AESs that I got a lot cheaper because they were broken. Only one I managed to fix immediately. The other one had much worse problems. <laughs> but, um, still got it cheaper. So, you know, that's the, um, that's the key. Um, and I think that's the the kind of the differentiator between a lot of this, a, a lot of the way these thing these things work. If you um, if you kind of you're, if you're going in at a certain level and you've got a certain amount of money, then you probably don't really care if the market drops out because um, you're probably not going to do anything with these machines. You could probably afford to keep them for however long, and they'll just sit in a cupboard somewhere or in a glass cabinet depending on the item uh, whereas at my level when you can't genuinely afford everything you want you're going to be selling stuff at some point so the bubble bursting is probably more of a danger for me than anyone else although i still do have things that i bought originally which are worth a lot more than i paid for them so honestly that probably evens things up a lot um but yeah <laughs> so the rather rambly way for me to say this was my nostalgia is different my nostalgia is uh for things that i never had the opportunity to try and i i'm guessing that's more that i'm more focused around technology really than than games i think that's probably a big part of it so i own relatively small number of software compared to the machines i own i mean the difference being the pc engine and the super cassette version and cassette version i own like most of those the collections just because they are things that I particularly enjoy. So the PC Engine is a machine, if you've seen any of my stuff, that I is probably one of my favorite of that generation. Uh, by that generation, I'm including 8 and 16-bit generations. Um, and it just has a fantastic library, which doesn't get nearly enough focus or attention compared to everything else. Uh, the Super Cassette Vision, again, was a wonderful machine that just was um was dead on arrival just because of nintendo and the famicom but it still has uh, a, a not a great library of games because there aren't many but there are some solid games in that library and the cassette vision well the cassette vision 
is a special one because the cassette vision was the thing that set Epoch as kind of being the the top dog in Japan in terms of games machines. Uh, the reason why Nintendo assumed they were the ones they, they'd be fighting. Um, as happened, of course, the Super Cassette Vision got released far too late to um, to trouble the Famicom. The Famicom was way more popular than Nintendo expected anyway. Um, so I think in that sense, it's it deserves kind of to have that whole library. And there aren't that many games as well. I mean, I'm looking at them and there's like, eight or nine games i don't remember how many it is exactly but um not all of them were released and it's uh they're hard to, they're hard to get because they, they just weren't many sold comparatively to compared to like mid and modern levels of console sales but console sales but it's um i mean it's, it's important to have because of just for historic reasons really um so yeah because of the I don't go for machines that I have games that I want to play on. I do tend to try and find the weirdest hardware or hardware that just interests me. It's a problem in its own right because you end up with machines that you can almost do nothing with because there's no schematics online. So if they're broken, then fixing them is a nightmare. There's no software online. There's no there's no articles on how to get things like Gotex working or any kind of ROM emulators or anything like that. Um, but, you know, the, the benefit is that I've managed to make quite a few YouTube videos of machines where I'm the first one to cover them, which is a thrill in its own right. It's I like bringing the, the attention to these machines to people uh, on the internet. I mean, it's it's nice. It's um, You're giving stuff away. I mean, this is um, these into a conversation about why I do YouTube and why I was doing YouTube wrong for a long time. But um, that is definitely a podcast for a different day. Um, <laughs> but it's, um, it's it's just it's interesting why different people do this retro thing. I mean, we've seen plenty of people, again, on, on eBay, who definitely do this for one reason, which is they think they can make a lot of money out of it. Uh, I tend to sell stuff when I sell it uh, on social media rather than on eBay because um, I was kind of turned off of that because I sold a machine once and the very next day, because I already had a watch for this machine just from historical reasons, I got uh, an email from eBay saying one had turned up and it was not just my machine, it was the same picture I'd used to sell it because, of course, the guy hadn't received it yet. It was still in my house. And... He tried basically immediately tried to flip it for almost twice as much, and that's fine. You know, you you own something, you own something, but it just it feels uh, rude and it just feels wrong that you're if you're buying these machines just for profit. There's just something inherently wrong with that, in my opinion, anyway. Certainly, uh, other people may not agree, but in my opinion, there's there's something inherently wrong with buying this stuff for just for naked profit i mean take it play with it get your kind of enjoyment out of it and then sell it that i understand that but just buying stuff just to sell it that's that doesn't feel right in many ways but you know <laughs> that's you know that's that's how capitalism works right so who am i to say um but then there's yeah the other people who who 
are in this because of nostalgia, just naked nostalgia. I use naked a lot <laughs> as a descriptor, but just pure nostalgia. Um, and I understand that. I do understand that. I understand this this going back in time appeal, the appeal of, of looking back uh, to when you know times were slightly simpler and things like that. But it's I understand that appeal. It's an interesting one actually on that topic because. There's there's almost like um, a sense of bullying that, that has started up again. There was a whole thing when you were at school, and well, certainly around my area, where if you were really into computers and stuff, you you weren't obviously part of the cool crowd, but you were effectively uh, disliked by anyone that wasn't into computers. There was some weird idea that if you weren't solely interested in playing football or doing graffiti or taking hood ornaments from cars or eventually doing drugs and smoking behind the bike sheds with people you were just interested in in computers then there was something wrong with you um and that was almost understandable back then because computers obviously were uh kind of in a weird niche of their own um not that bullying is good, of course. Bullying is never good, but uh, it was at least there was you, you could kind of understand why people were distrustful of the whole thing. Let's say, but that sort of happens now as well, where there are a lot of you see a lot of articles, a lot of comments of people saying you know, why you oh, retro stuff. It's why you involved this ancient stuff. It's um, you know it's sad. You just have and things like it's a hobby. <laughs> How is you know hobbies aren't meant to achieve much. They're, they're a hobby. They're something you do when you're not achieving things. It's the weirdest thing. I had. Um, do you remember the whole the, the vector bike, the, the weird computerized uh, bike that uh, they released? I coveted one of those when I was a child. They were in the, all the catalogs, like the Argos catalogs and stuff, and I absolutely coveted one. Was never going to own one because they were so expensive, but. Just, yeah, really coveted one. And then they popped up on eBay and I just made a comment saying, oh, if I could still fit on this, I'd definitely buy one, which I think is a fairly innocuous <laughs> comment to say. And just some edgelord decided to reply to me saying, oh, if you weren't going on about this kind of stuff, then maybe you'd have sex. And it's like, mate, I, I'm a grandfather. <laughs> I've got four grandchildren from my two children. I've, <laughs> I've had plenty, thank you. It's just this weird idea that you can't be interested in these things and it just makes you like less of a, not even less of a man. It's the, the weird, um, this weird kind of idea of an alpha male where they have to, you have to be down the gym and stuff. And it, it's, it's just a transposition of the old bullying where if you don't quite meet a set of arbitrary criteria that someone has set up, then you're somehow less because you're you're not meeting their criteria as them. But I mean, the one thing that someone used to tell me was um, uh, if somebody has to act that hard to be a man, then there's a chance they're worried about something. And um, I think that's kind of the point, right? If you're so worried that somebody else isn't meeting these arbitrary ideals that you're setting, I think the problem is that you're either worried that you're not meeting them or you're worried that those arbitrary criteria aren't right in some way because otherwise why would you bother with other people not meeting them it's not your business so yeah <laughs> but yeah that was a that was a big tangent there but i uh, cut but in the same target and it's weird that this 
this whole thing has kind of sparked up again. Now, a lot of it, obviously, are just people that um, didn't get enough attention when they were a child, so they, they desperately want attention now, and the internet gives them that attention. But some of it does appear to be people who genuinely, for some reason, believe there's... Um, you can't do multiple things. You can't you can't be interested in stuff like this and just be a normal human being. Uh, it's the weirdest thing. And these are probably the same people that go out clubbing all the time and just drink until they're unconscious. Um, and they don't see a problem with that, of course, because, um, yeah, I mean, that's what they're doing and it meets their criteria. Yeah. <laughs> that was a tiny rant there. A tiny rant in, my, in the podcast. They're probably were a tiny rant in every podcast, to be honest. Um but yeah, that's my kind of spin on things anyway. The reason why I do it is, uh, to summarize, is uh, that I just, I like this technology. I like looking at old technology. I like seeing where we come from. It really is a kind of archaeology to me of being able to, to follow how these things built up. Um, and I've made, you know, I've made a, a video and a and a text log of all this stuff that I've, I've covered and... Um, I mean, that's, that's, I think for me, certainly, it's worth doing and I enjoy it. Um, but yeah, I'd be interested in like, your reasons for being interested in the retro community. Or if you're not interested in the retro community and you have an issue with it, maybe tell us why you've got an issue with it because uh, we're not in any way psychologists, but hey, we may be able to help. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, leave any comments in any part of the comment that's allowed to be a comment. And if you like this then i'll know we should do more and if you've got any suggestions of who we should talk to as well that also will be welcome see you next time